All right, everybody, how's it going? This is Dan Figella here with Tech Emergence, uh, and where we interview investors, researchers, and entrepreneurs in the domain of emerging technology. We've been on a marketer interview spree. We just talked to Dan Martell, Neil Patel, Emerson Sparks, a whole bunch of uh, very talented folks. And today I've got a, another very talented uh, Facebook PPC fellow, well known from his interviews on places like uh, growthhacker.tv, where you may already know about Justin Brooke. He's also founder and CEO of I Am Scalable. That's capital I, capital M, Scalable. Mr. Justin, how are you today? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on, especially with such great names. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, exactly. Well, I, again, I, I, I think uh, my buddy Tim, who I, I believe Ashley is your assistant, has been in touch with back and forth with regards to some of your uh, Facebook um, consulting work that you're doing there. Um, had pointed you out on Growth Hacker and said, hey, this guy seems like he's really rocking it with Facebook. You know, we don't have anybody that's as many folks that are really targeting this area. Let's get them on board. So I'm happy to have you here. Um, and, and I figured really, you know, uh, the the thing I had Chad Hemza on not too long ago either, who's obviously very talented in this domain. Um, one thing I wanted to run by with you was what do you see as, you know, there's a million startups out there. Some of them targeted to consumers, some of them targeted to businesses, some of them $50,000 price points, some of them $5 price points. Um, regardless of all that, when people first get on Facebook, what are the blunders that you see just over and over again, maybe one or two really quick ones that almost everybody does, and then how do you advise people to move beyond those? Because I imagine you see just so much of the same stuff over and over. Yeah, the biggest mistake that I see people doing is not expecting to lose money on their first buy. I'm probably <laughs> sure Chad says the same thing. I he did, actually, things. interestingly enough, yeah. Yeah, me, me and him, we talk a lot, and we have very, very similar philosophies. And, you know, the biggest thing that people do is they expect that there's going to be ROI out of the gate, not even just a little ROI. Like, most people expect that they're going to make, like, $5 for every $1 they spend on their first advertising campaign. That's like saying you're going to go play baseball, and you're going to hit a grand slam the first time you ever get up to bat. It's, it's crazy. Not even the greatest advertisers in history do that every time. So... But at the same time, I don't want to scare everybody. Um, you know, so what you got to do is you got to play with money you're not afraid to lose. You know, you don't want to be expecting that you're going to lose it, but play with money you're not afraid to lose. And then you need to learn as much as you can with that money. That's your goal on your first spend is to learn. And if you make money, great, because the home runs are out there, but you want to learn. You want to know. Which landing page is working the best? Which ad is working the best? Which headline? Which image? You test a lot of different things. That way, when you spend that first 500, 1,000, 10,000, whatever your level is, you learn what works best. Yep. Okay, got it. So, so uh, be wary that when you throw it out there, losing money is the most likely scenario, no matter how skilled you are, and be prepared to calibrate and, and, and uh, understand how to tweak and move things from there. Um, in terms of learning this yourself, many startup founders are technical folks in their field, whether that's, you know, we talked to a lot of people in robotics, for example, but there's a million other uh, fields, and many people began as uh, people working there rather than as marketers specifically. So they'll be learning Facebook in order to build it up. You know, I was in the same boat. Um, I have a fellow who's with me now who basically had to learn Facebook as we started implementing it into our business. Were there any places that you went originally? In addition to the School of Hard Knocks, of course, which is drop dollars, you know, apply the best practices, and you know, pre prepare yourself to take notes on your own campaigns. Were there any places that you trusted or liked more than others in terms of, shucks, I'm brand new at this. Um, how do I develop that ability, as you had said, to take the losing campaign, because they almost all are, 
and to tweak it, tweak it, tweak it as you move along and, and get better, besides just combing through blogs and typing into Google how to stop sucking at Facebook. Right, right. Well, I mean, with any ad network, uh, most of the better ad networks, anyways, have some sort of documentation. I mean, Google AdWords has their own Google AdWords course. Facebook has a Facebook Marketing Help Center. Now, you got to be a little wary and know that you know, they're going to be teaching you ways for them to make more money also. So, um, you know, you learn from that stuff, but kind of, you know, keep in the back of your mind that their suggestions, their bidding suggestions might be in favor of them winning uh, more so than you winning. Uh, but there are some great starter pieces of information out there that you can learn from. Uh, there's a, uh, for Facebook, there's an amazing blog called, can I plug somebody's website on here? Yeah, sure, man. No problem. Uh, John Loomer, J-O-N-L-O-O-M-E-R. Uh, he's got a fantastic bro, bro, uh, blog <laughs> and uh, tons of information there. There's, there's a lot of really good blogs. Be careful of you know, what you, you know, see out on YouTube, and that sucks because I'm on YouTube, but there's a lot of crazy stuff, uh, <laughs> advice when it comes to marketing on YouTube. Okay, got it. So so be wary. Well, I guess you to, you'd have to take everything with a grain of salt, but I think that's one of the beauties of having talented folks on at Tech Emergences. You know, you've probably culled through all of that, and you have the level of expertise to be able to say, this fella is a gag, this fella knows what he's talking about, and, uh, and obviously who you would recommend would, should be folks that other stars should be tuning into. So John Loomer is a guy worth writing down, it sounds like. Um, yeah, I, I read him like every day. Wow, fantastic. Well, then he, he's got to know his stuff. Um, moving forward here, with regards to sort of practical implementation tips, I, I, obviously the philosophy of understanding you're going to be losing up front is more than useful. Um, when you initially get involved with a product, you know, are, are the listeners from the emerging tech space at, at, at uh, Tech Emergence are going to be everywhere across the board from, again, as I had said, 5 bucks to 50000 uh, consumer product to a software as a service only for large pharmaceutical companies, whatever it might be. When you initially get involved in a product, because there are so many variables, it'd be really tough to say, hey, Justin, uh, I'm not telling you what my product is, but what do we do first? You know, you'd probably think I was a dummy because, you know, there's not, not exactly one panacea. But, but what are the, the sort of checkboxes in your own mind that you go through as you assemble a strategy per product or per project? Because it's always going to differ. All right, so you, anybody listening right now is going to have to kind of take what I say and apply it to their own situation. Because yeah. my business model is as an agency. These are the things that I look for um, to know whether the campaign is going to be a success or not. Because I don't want to take somebody on who I'm just going to blow their money because then they're going to go tell somebody that I blew their money. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's not, it's not yeah. what your job is. Yeah, so... I look for a few key things, and what I look for is, you know, number one, what does the landing page look like? Okay. You know, so if the landing page looks like it's got a, a compelling headline or the video's compelling, there's good benefit-laden bullet points, um, it's not cluttered with a lot of different options, you know, a very clear uh, benefit-driven landing page, that helps me out. You know, if I can tell what the product does, you know, because usually I'm a stranger when I first hear about a product, right? I'm, yeah, you know, you I don't, don't know, know what they do or how they do it. So yep. if I look at their landing page and I can kind of figure out what they do in 30 seconds, I, it's usually pretty good. If I got to write to them and say, so what does your product do? That's kind of a red <laughs> not flag. A, not a good sign. Yeah. 
So that's that's number one. The the next thing that I look for is what is their their average earnings per sale, and when I say earnings per sale, I mean per front end acquisition. Uh, startups would know it as users. You know, how much are you earning on average per user? And you know, usually it's within thirty days. Okay. Uh, and, and and the reason I look for that is because you're going to give me money to spend, or you you know, you're going to spend money yourself. You want to be able to make that money back in at least thirty days. Otherwise, it's going to be really painful. Yeah. You know, so if you have an earnings per user per sale of a hundred dollars or more, you can do incredibly well with paid traffic. Because I find, well, it really depends on the product, the pricing, and whatever. I find that over, in general, uh, you can acquire a customer between fifty and eighty dollars fairly well. You know, most people should be able to get around there. Um, and then you have like you know, rock star campaigns that, that are under $50. So if you can afford to spend at least $100 to acquire a user, to acquire a front end, you can usually do very well. And so you want to be earning at least that. If, if somebody tells me we only earn $30 per customer uh, in the first 30 days, that scares me. You know, it's like, man, you know, if you just do the math on that, the click prices, the conversion numbers, I don't want to get all geeky. In the no, math, of course, of course. It's really hard to make that math work. It, it's interesting to me that you make note on this, and of course, this comes from a lot of experience. So it, it's it's uh it's it's always cool to be able to tune in. Um, the you're mentioning it's not you know normally in an average market or whatever it might be, um, you can acquire a customer for fifty to eighty eighty dollars if you're cutting the mustard if you if you're doing a good job. Um, it's curious because you would almost think, all right, well. There must be, and I'm sure there are, um, places where it costs a ton more to get a final buyer, but maybe the results are much larger. Of course, that's a little tough. It's a little less comfortable for you. There's probably a price range that's comfortable because you might have a $50,000 thing and say, well, shucks, I've only spent $20,000 and we don't have any buyers yet. But, but I mean, hey, I, we, we make this when we make a sale. So maybe there's a bit of a it's, – it's a little bit tentative maybe when you're working with bigger price points. Yeah, let me talk about that for a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. So I've, I've also sold business-to-business services where, you know, the sale price is $3,000. I mean, I sell my own services, which range anywhere from $2,000 to $10,000. And, and on, you know, I'll talk about the $3,000 sale. You know, we were able to acquire a customer for 1600 So, yeah, a lot higher cost to acquire a customer. Still earning $2 for every $1 we spent, though. And yeah. that's what I'm really, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you're really looking for is the whether or not you can sustain the campaign of or course. scale the campaign. Is Are you bringing in more, you know, and, and too many people, they look at the conversion numbers and that doesn't matter. I mean, it's great to have a high conversion, but what matters is are you making more than you're spending? The, the, yeah, at the very end of the day, I think that that would pretty much define your marketing channels is, you know, return on investment customer lifetime value, the very important numbers you can't leave. So, okay, so I, I sort of interrupted your flow. Second, real quick, I just want to mention sure. here, it, um, my, most success, my most successful clients, if you were to look at their conversion rate and try and decide on whether the campaign should stay or not, you, I mean, it's disgusting. I mean, some of them are 0.3% conversion, 0.5% conversion, Sheesh. but they're making $3 for every $1 they're spending. So, you know, I really try and tell newbies and people starting out, 
don't look at the conversion numbers. Only look at are you making more than spending. Got it. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately, of course, if you can bump your conversion numbers, you should be helping with that ratio, assuming right. you're spending the same amount to get the folks to that same page that you're aiming to have convert or that same email sequence that they're getting dumped in that should have them convert. Um, but ultimately, as you had said, who cares? It's money in, money out um, at the very end of the day, as well as folks on the list who you might be able to make money off of later. But for you, it sounds like you're not looking at customer lifetime value per se in terms of three-year value of a customer. Of course, if you're a startup, that's impossible to gauge anyway. You're really looking at, can we make this back in 30 days? Because you're going to be paying me and you're going to be looking to me as the guy for return on investment. If we need to wait a year for these people to spend X, is that a world you don't like to play in as much in the agency space? Yeah, I don't, I don't like to play in that world. I mean, if, if, they're, if it's a big enough company and, and they can withstand that, great. But most companies, and, and I'm not, and and that's what I mean. Like I'm talking from an agency standpoint, but if I talk from, you know, just a business owner, you know, I've got to pay that Amex bill. You know, I, I can't let that Amex. The Amex ain't gonna wait ninety days for me. To, no, you know, no, Amex needs the money. Needs the, you know, needs the so that's why I really want to make that money back within thirty days because I'm gonna spend it, and then for cash flow reasons, I need to make sure I make that money back as fast as possible. It's great to, if you can break even or even just under break even in 30 days can be very profitable if you know that in 90 days exactly. or 180 days, you're going to crush it. Totally, totally. Or or presumably, Justin, and, and if you're in the info marketing world or in other spaces, I mean, as you know, if you have somebody in your database and you know XYZ about them and you can spice continuous communication and marketing with them and have them buy a year and a half later, which you know, most of us who have businesses for a little while, if you work your email list well, you have that stuff happen a lot, then you might look at a 30-day suddenly less than break-even campaign as a real winner knowing that you have folks that buy two years deep. You might say, man, it'd be really hard for me to lose money given the full customer lifetime value. So those are important things to consider. I, I interrupted your flow a bit here. You said uh, you first look at landing page. Is it clear and is it benefit driven? What is your customer? What does your, your product do? What is this going to do for the customer? People need that. Um, and then there's also, of course, you know, what is the earning per share? So what are your actual margins here that you're working with, um, based on a, a sort of general average of your businesses? You know, somewhere acquiring a customer between fifty and eighty dollars. What are the other um, sort of check check marks to, to go down here for for startups looking to build campaigns? Those are the two biggest. A okay. couple of other ones that I look for. Um, just to kind of know if this is going to be like really good or if, or if I'm going to have to work hard, um, <laughs> you know, is, you know, what's kind of the angle? Is, is there, is this different from other products that are out there? You know, I mean, there's a ton of products that out there that say like, um, you know, what's becoming popular right now is being able to acquire leads right in the news street. You know, so if if your product kind of has the same angle and same function or features as everything else out there, it's going to be really hard to make your ads stand out. So, you know, what kind of angle, what kind of story, what kind of what what can you lead with that's going to you know be different? You know, because you got to get a click at yeah. the end of the day. Yep. You know, and you, you got to be interesting enough to get the click. And this is marketing 101, but you know, arguably again. It, it, it'll it'll be very fast feedback on Facebook if you if you blend in with the rest of the noise you're not you're not going to get those clicks and you won't really have any kind of response so okay understood um, it, 
Next up, in terms of um, in terms of fundamentals of initial things that folks should test, you know, people a lot of the time when you first click go and you know you're you're about to make a spend and you and you're about to get some feedback. Ideally, it shouldn't it shouldn't be a here's how much we spent, here's how much we made. Okay, well, let's make some guesses and go again. You should really be able to learn from that first campaign. What are some keys for startups when you're out there? You know, uh, some some folks will say you know should you should really play around with with the intent of the buyer. So maybe it's you should assume everybody's after this or assume everybody's after that. So I have one whole set of pictures and titles and descriptions that really target this as the goal that these people are after in their life and one that's this and then see which one wins because that's probably the appeal that you want more. Other people will say, you know, is it your offer and value proposition, you know, 30 bucks off for blah, 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 you know, 30% uh, off for blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe those should be the things you test first. What, what, do, what, what sort of testing order and structure do you like to go through? So when you press that spend money button, um, you know a couple weeks in, you'll at least be able to have learned something. Not just have data, but really say, okay, this is what I'm testing. You know, some of those things that you mentioned are, I, I totally agree that they're important, but for me, they're oftentimes some of the, like, second, third, maybe even fourth round of testing. Oh, wow, okay. The, the first thing that we test is which segments of the market are going to react. So, you know, I may come up with, we'll come up with, um, you know, like the baseline angle or whatever. You know, you're going to try and use, you know, tomato growing. We'll, we'll talk about okay. some software that helps tomatoes grow, right? Um, so you're going to grow the biggest, juiciest tomatoes, grow them faster, bigger, stronger, whatever. Um, so you start out with your, with the copy you think is going to work the best. And what we do is we'll test usually about 30 different interests, different age groups, um, you can test different countries. So really I'm just trying to find what type of people are going to react best to this message. Got it, okay. And, th and then once I find the type of people that are reacting best to the message, now I'm testing the image. And this is where I start testing the things that you're talking about. You know, Do they respond well to um, you know, pattern interrupt type of images, uh, things that are kind of shocking or weird looking. Do they respond better to, uh, you know, sales type of things, discount type of things? I, I don't normally like to attract that kind of a buyer. Mm. Um, you know, the main goal that I'm trying to do is I want to, in my ideal world, I wish every click was a buyer. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create an ad that's, one, interesting enough to stand out, but two, is pre-framing that person so that when they get to the page, they already want to buy what it is that they're there for. You know, the ad already got them like, oh, this is something I want. Got it. Okay, cool. So I like that. Start with that frame that in an ideal world, everybody would be a buyer. And in order to do that, of course, you need to be targeting a sub-segment where everyone could be a buyer. These are the people that will bite on this. So you'll take a good general offer, something that ought to appeal. It speaks to the core value prop. It speaks to maybe what makes it original. And you whip that at different subsegs, different interests, different ages, different locations, and see who's really who's going to bite on this type of a thing. And from there, it's images. And then from there, it's also the offer. So what are some other general categories? It's kind of a closing topic here. We've got... You know, pattern interrupt style images versus maybe more congruent style images. We have sale type offers versus more pure benefit type offers. You know, your tomatoes will be big and strong versus 
thirty dollars off amazing tomato software. Um, I'm sure there is tomato software out there. Out there, by the way, as much as we're joking about it, <laughs> <laughs> right. and, I, and I wonder what the price points are. But um, what are some of those other dynamics to think about in this second phase after you've determined who's a, who's a responder? You know, we have pattern interrupt versus congruent. We have benefit versus um, offer. What are some other uh, almost sort of uh, template type? Uh, testing structures that other folks might want to run and work with? All right, so once I figure out the segment and kind of the imagery that's working, now I'm trying to play with little things, um, small tweaks to the campaign, because that's, that's, that's the, you know, the big movers, the big needle movers, the image and the what market segment. Um, Interesting. Now what I want to start playing with is does a longer uh, – so there's different parts of a Facebook news feed. You have the actual post status, and then you have the image, and then you have the link name, and the uh, you have the description underneath there. So you know, I'll play with does a shorter or a longer post status message work. I'll flip the description to the post status and maybe the post status to the description – I'll try um, underneath the the uh, the link name. You have the link caption where a lot of people put their domain name in there. Instead of a domain name, sometimes I'll try putting "click here to learn more." Uh, so a call to action there instead of the domain name. And you can do that with um, other tools. I don't know if you can do that with Power Editor or not. I use Quaya, but. Um, so those are kind of some of the things that I'm testing is little things like that. Uh, is also another thing that I've tested is changing the color of the image. You can throw if you find an image that's working well, you can uh, you know pay somebody on Fiverr to create a cartoonized version of that image. You can throw it into an image editor and desaturate it so it's a black and white image. Yeah, yeah. You know, and those things kind of make images pop off of the background a little bit more. So I'll, I'll test little things like that. And sometimes if I find a really good winning image, I can now create three, four different versions of that image by doing those little edits. Got it. Okay, great. And that's, that's some, some serious actionable steps. I feel like somebody could tune into this entire interview and, and really revamp the heck out of how they're initially approaching Facebook. I think I'm, I'm going to be brainstorming some of these things myself. So that's exactly what we look for. More than appreciate it, Justin. And I know that your uh, site and where people can find you is I. M, that's an I and M, scalable. Um, where else can folks go to, to reach out and, and contact you folks there? Um, you know, I mean, we got everything in I am scalable from our YouTube videos to our podcast and our blog and all that stuff. So it's all right there. But uh, come hang out with me on Facebook, uh, forward slash Justin Brook, or forward slash Traffic Strategist is our fan page. And uh, you'll find everything you need there between those two places. Cool. Very good. Justin, thank you very much for being here on Tech Emergence today. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you're an entrepreneur or a future thinker uh, with an interest in businesses, transitions, or technologies that have the potential to alter human potential, then make sure you check out techemergence.com. It's our main blog site where you can see all of our other interviews with uh, top startup leaders, uh, entrepreneurship experts, and folks in the domain of technology, cutting-edge emerging technology. Uh, if you have a particular interest in how technology can affect the future of human consciousness and our conscious experience, then be sure to also check out sentientpotential.com. There we explore a lot of the ethical considerations and really serious moral matters of emerging technologies, in addition to interviews with great philosophers and technology experts of our day. 
Um, more than anything else, always feel free to reach out if you can find us via email. Um, you can reach out to us there or whatever other way. Find us on the blog. Be sure to drop comments. We believe that the serious uh, conversation about the future is not only open-minded, but also interdisciplinary and multifaceted. So we'd like nothing more than to be able to glean your ideas as well. Um, so with that being said, with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Fagella signing off. And we'll see you next week.